Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, a big welcome to City Church and City Church Online. Let's give it up for our online partners that are right now, you know, wherever you're at. You guys here can take a seat. Thank you. Um, Wherever you're at right now, and and you might be in a really precarious situation in your part of the world, I I really don't know, but uh, wherever you're at right now, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your room. And one of the things that, uh, that I saw years ago, and it was, um, can somebody please get my pulpit for me? Um, yeah, thanks, Daryl. Appreciate that. Um, one of the things that I, that I learned a long time ago is that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will make your spirit alive and make you alive and raise whatever situation you've got uh, from the dead as well. And, and one of the biggest things with, with the Holy Spirit, thanks, man. You are a he-man. You're incredible. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks, Cassie. Amazing. Uh, I was watching this symphony once, and uh, it was amazing because they were playing some sheet music that was probably 200 years old. It was Bach or Beethoven or something. And it was a, a symphony in, in a, a royal place. I don't know where exactly, but it was in England. They had the, uh, the queen was there. I, I know that. They had a royal audience. And I watched this conductor, and he's got the sheet music, and he's got the whole symphony is out there. You know, they got the strings, the, the wind instruments, the percussion, all that, you know. And... Uh, he's really getting into it you know and then they they came to what i thought was the grand crescendo of the whole thing and uh but the queen didn't stand up and charles or or philip didn't stand up and, and they went at it again for even a bigger grand crescendo and at the end of that the queen stood up there everybody was standing it was amazing but what really hit me was how something that's on a page like notes on a page that I couldn't read for anything could come back to life hundreds of years later if you had if you will the spirit of music you could look at that play that and bring it back to life with the same spirit that the person that wrote it had when they got that whole thing in their head or their wherever it was and the Holy Spirit can do that for you right where you're at right now. He will take the written word off the page because men penned it, but hope, but the Holy Spirit, God, uh, was the one that inspired it. He will take that same spirit, lift it off of the page into your heart afresh. Wherever you are at right now, what is going to be preached here today, uh, everything is for you right now to grab a hold of and let the same Holy Spirit who's in this room right now He's not bound by time. He's not bound by distance. He's not bound by anything except your willingness to step in by faith and to take it. So no matter if you're watching this, you know, a year uh, from when I preach it, or if you're not here on the Sunshine Coast, wherever you are right now, the Holy Spirit will take this meeting and every part of it, translate it into your world and bring it back with incredible power so you can have a symphony going on in your heart, in your life. And God is amazing. Amen. So thank you so much. Thank you, team. You guys are incredible. And uh, we'll have you back here in just a moment. Well, 
Gail and I just got back from her hometown. It's called Wagga Wagga. There's a song that says, don't call Wagga Wagga Wagga. Now, Wagga means crows. If, if they ever, It's an aboriginal word. If they say it twice, it means there's a lot of whatever it is. And there are a lot of crows in Wagga Wagga. And we were uh, very familiar with driving there. It's like we've driven it. I was trying to estimate how many trips, return trips that, uh, that I've made to Wagga Wagga back to the Sunshine Coast where we live. And I, and I estimated probably 30 at least, probably more times that I've, I've driven that. And it's very familiar ground. Uh, we kind of know which way to go. But I thought to myself, uh, why don't I just try sat-nav, you know, Google Maps this time around? So I said to Gail, let's just try and see what Google Maps directs us. And we got somewhere out towards uh, Ipswich, if you know where that's at, if you're from around here. And uh, anyway, it directed us towards a, a place called Toowoomba. Uh, no, I don't know what Toowoomba means, another ab aboriginal word. Don't Google it right now, pay attention. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and, you know, we, had, we came to a crossroad where we had to either get off of that highway and go the way that Google Maps was pointing us in that direction or go the familiar way. I wish I could say that I stepped out in faith, did something new, but I didn't. I took the familiar road. And, uh, and then Gail was doing what she shouldn't have done. She was Googling it and looking it up, and she goes, you know, we could have saved 15 minutes probably if we'd have gone the way that Google Maps sent us. <laughs> and it's a 15-hour drive. It's uh, 15 minutes. may not seem like a lot, but, you know, if it's the last 15 minutes, it's like, I just want to get this misery over with. I'm really, really tired of being behind these big trucks and all these people uh, that some would call idiots on the road. I don't say that. You know, I'm sure they're just somebody's <laughs> grandmother, uncle, you know, cousin or something. But in, in any event, uh, on the way back, we, uh, we decided to go the Google Maps way. After talking to Gail's cousin, who's a truck driver, he goes, oh, no, you should have gone to Toowoomba. You should have listened to what Google Maps said. It, it's a really nice freeway. goes bypasses the city. You know, you'll shave a lot of time off of that. But we took the familiar. We are in uncharted times right now. We are in an uncharted world. And I'd like to say this morning's message, I've called it uncharted, because you don't know what's coming next. It seems like every week the whole world's changed. Does anybody notice that? It's like it used to be like maybe you get away with a year before there's anything big or, you know, maybe even five years or, or longer before anything really big happens. But it, it seems like right now it's like, Every week, the whole world is changing, and there's no security in it. It seems like, you know, our jobs, our economy, our, our health, our, our relationships, it seems like everything seems to be up for grabs because we're in uncharted times. There's something about uncharted that is not just unfamiliar and not just fearful. I might add fear is a big element when you're in the uncharted but there's something about Uncharted that's almost attractive. It's like there's an adventure to it. It's like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how this is gonna end up. I really don't know, good or bad, we're, we're, in, un we're in uncharted times, but there's something exciting about it. I feel that way anyway. And I wanna come from that this morning. I don't wanna come from, oh, you know, we're in uncharted times. Everybody brace yourselves. Every, the, the, the sky's falling. You know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. So, so look out, you know, make sure that you buy gold. 
Make sure you store it under your bed, whatever, uh, because, you, you know, anything can happen bad, of course. No. We're in uncharted times, but anything could happen good as well. In fact, anything can happen, and it probably will, God. So that's what I want to look at this morning. I want us to, to look at how to live in uncharted times, uncharted times. I, I, uh, I find myself getting lost frequently, and I've been lost in some of the most amazing places on earth. Uh, I don't know, have you ever been lost anywhere? I mean, really lost. Have you ever been wilderness lost, like out in the bush, without a compass, without Bear grills by your side? Uh, you know, without anybody that really knows what they're doing. Well, I have. I've been lost up in the mountains in the snow once, went up there really just just having a nice hike up above Palm Springs, 80-something degrees down below, went up there unprepared for what was going to happen, and uh, got caught in, in a blizzard. I mean, total whiteout, could not find the, the path down when it hit. It was and All of a sudden, it got dark. It was cold, unprepared, spent the most miserable night up there in the mountains, and uh, thank God, because I had no idea how I was going to get back, uh, thank God there was a, 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 a hiking group that had snowshoes on, because the, the snow got so deep that you'd step, and you'd go all the way up to your waist in it. That's how much snow fell in a short uh, period of time, and, and I thought to myself, I'm going to die up here. Like, this is amazing. Uh, fortunately, these people with snowshoes saw me. I yelled out, I was with a friend, and uh, you know we were able to get out of there. They were able to direct us where the trail, uh, which was covered in snow, was. Got out of there. I remember one time I was in Mexico, and I, I made the dumb decision to go down to Mexico at night by myself. I thought, oh, I just feel like some tacos tonight. I don't know what it is, you know, I just want some real Mexican food. You know, we got Mexican food across the border, cooked by real Mexicans. But no, I want to go down into Mexico and across the border from San Diego into, into Tijuana and uh, went down there. It was nighttime. I, I drove my little red Mustang down there, and uh, before I knew it, I was lost. I got out, went, found some Mexican to eat, came back, and I thought, now I parked next to a big Coca-Cola sign. I remember this, Coca-Cola sign. Do you know there's about a 1,000 Coca-Cola signs down there? Everywhere was a Coca-Cola sign. And the next thing, the, the locals, they knew I was lost. And you know when predators, some of them were just like really not nice people, I'll just say that much, and, and they're yelling things at me, and say, oh, are you lost, amigo? <laughs> you know, wrong place to be lost, amigo. And, uh, but, you know, fortunately, I found the right Coca-Cola sign and, and got out of there. I was lost once in Moscow, and there's this markets in Moscow, and it's uh, 300 hectares. It's, it's roughly... Almost 300 football fields. That's how big these markets were. They're massive markets, and they're full of Chechnyans and, and, and people from the war in Afghanistan and, and down in Chechnya, and, and they don't speak English. And I went into these markets looking for some leather shoes. I thought, I'm going to buy some leather shoes. Nobody spoke English. Try to tell people what leather shoes is if you don't speak their language. So I took my shoe off. I like Oh, okay, we know what that is. Uh, we'll show you where the shoes section of this massive market is. Uh, got in there. The next thing, everybody wants to be my friend. And they all want to take me down these alleyways. 
And I'm like thinking, oh my goodness, here I am again. When will I ever learn? Don't go anywhere where you don't know where you're going. Don't go anywhere where you don't tell anybody where you're going. And don't go anywhere trying to tell people you want to buy shoes when they're trying to sell you these rubber shoes. No leather at all. So finally, uh, I told them I took the shoe off because they showed me a lot of shoes, but none of them were leather. And uh, so, I, so I took my shoe off and I went, moo, moo. Yes, okay, we get it. So I got some leather shoes out of the deal and uh, found my way out of there. But, uh, you know, there's something about being lost that just, with the uncharted, that just seems to, to, uh, to just throw us off our position, throw us off our bearing. And I want to talk in how, how to live in the uncharted. I want to take us to a, a, a time which I believe was probably one of the most uncharted, unsettling moments in church history. It's in Acts chapter 8, and uh, verse 1 to 4. Follow along with me. It says this. On that day, <laughs> on that day, the day before, it was okay. But on that day, everything was about to change for this group of people in the early church, early Christ followers. On that day, just before that day, Stephen had got up, he was such a, 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 a man filled with the Holy Spirit and power, and he got up and he addressed the Sanhedrin, and he addressed all these religious people about why this particular guy got healed, and Peter had already done that, and he, they were using the name of Jesus. And the next thing, they take him out, and they, they take him outside of the city, and they stone him to death. He's dead. He's like a legend, and he goes down as a martyr. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is normally seated, but in this case, Jesus stood up. And it's like, that's my man, Stephen. And Stephen goes to be with Jesus in a, uh, the first martyr. He's, he's, he's stoned to death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. You know, we haven't really experienced that here. We've had COVID. We've had the media be nasty to us. We've had political people vote uh, against what we would consider to be a biblical uh, worldview platform. We've had a lot of stuff go down, but we've never had what was going to go down here with these group of people, and they were about to enter into totally uncharted territory. It says a great persecution, not just a little opposition, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles, get this, were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. In verse 2, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Do you ever watch a movie where they're trying to find out who's in the mafia? And so, you know, one of the mafia guys gets gunned down or something. They have the, the mafia funeral. And guess who else shows up at the funeral? Like the FBI, the police, the CIA, you know, the Army, the Navy, everybody, you know. We want to see who's at that funeral because we're going to be able to take pictures and identify, you know, who his friends were in the mafia. Well, imagine these people here. They're burying somebody that, that said something that got them so outraged that it launched this all-out attack on the church 
church on the believers. And, and, and I could imagine all the religious people watching, these men that, that, that mourned deeply for Stephen, that buried him, they were godly men, and they're, 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 they're cut. They're, they're their best friend. One of their best friends has been brutally murdered, butchered, and, and, and we know they're watching us, and I'm going to be numbered them up. They're going to know that I'm one of these people now, and, and everybody else is gone, but I'm, I'm there for the funeral, verse 2. Uh, so they, they buried Stephen and they mourned. In verse 3, but Saul, listen to this, but Saul destro- began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And we're not talking a prison where you can go in with a nice uh, comfy bed and some sheets and watch t- daytime TV. We're talking about something where it would stink, it would be uncomfortable, there'd be a lot of other real criminals in there, people abusing you, the jailers don't like you, the relig- religious people that put you there would make sure that your life was a-, a living hell. Imagine going house to house, dragging you, people, you know, dragging you out of your house and putting your loved ones, your wives, your, your children, grandpa, grandma, everybody it had to do with what they called the way, the church. Putting them in prison would be one of the worst experiences. It was a day of uncharted territory for the church at the time. It was probably the, the, the most intense day that they would have ever, ever had. And the madman behind it, this, this man Saul of Tarsus, who later has a conversion and becomes the champion for the church, but right now he's persecuting the church. I got to pause right there. You know, the people that are persecuting us the most are going to make the best Christians someday. I've seen it happen. I've seen people that ridiculed me and gave me the hardest time about being a a goody-two-shoes churchgoer, you know, all the the insults, and I, I lose contact with them for years, and then I'll get a call, an email, a letter. I've had this happen. Guess what? I'm one of you now. I'm a goody tissue, church going, Bible believing, you know, fanatic for Jesus person. It's like, no way. No way. I want to say, you know, do not count God out. God is working on Saul's in your life. Whoever it is that's persecuting you, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemy. Do good for them. Look what happened to Saul. He turned into Paul. God did it then. He does it over and over and over again. When you're in uncharted territory, like I said, there's something amazing that can happen. You just have to keep your faith and not not turn to unbelief and woe is me and why are we going through all this? And I hear a lot of that coming out of the church and, and, you know, people are coming up with all kinds of, you know, they're just side things. Seriously, it's not the right game that they're in. It's, they're sidetracked, and the devil would love to do that, get you off into pity parties for, oh, woe is me, i got to be in isolation. Well, read your Bible and pray. We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting right now as a church. We finished, uh, uh, we finished? Not yet? When's our last day? 24th. I'm still in it. I'm still doing it. You with me? (laughs) You know, if you're in isolation, enjoy the time with God. These guys were in isolation. And listen to this. I think that this next verse of Scripture has to be one of the greatest 
uh, passages of scripture, verses ever in the whole Bible. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Oh, wow. You know, when you're being persecuted, don't just blame the devil and start serving the devil with your mouth. Preach the word. Realize that was their commission right back at the beginning. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, uh, Jesus was speaking to them, and he says, you know, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, talking about the day of Pentecost. And then you will be, he says, you will be, not might be, not maybe, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the greater parts of the earth. This is going to happen, my, my followers. This is not a maybe. This is a will be. This is going to happen. You know, they would have stayed comfy in Jerusalem probably for the rest of their lives had not persecution happened. True. Right now, there are people that are watching us online right now that would have never, ever heard the word of God preached uh, in their world, perhaps. They, they would not have ever tapped into this had it not been for COVID. Now, I'm not saying God caused COVID, but I can say this much. He will certainly work in the middle of a pandemic. He'll, he'll, he'll work in the middle of persecution. And, and, and you, can either, you can either go or you can be scattered. Take your choice. You know, one way or the other, God's going to get his word out. And his word would have never left Jerusalem. They'd have stayed comfy in their chartered world of familiar. They would have taken the familiar ground all the way around, gone through their groundhog day days, every day turning into the next day. Nothing would have gone outside of Jerusalem had not persecution happened. They were scattered, but the church entered uncharted territory. They preached the word wherever they went. They didn't just talk about the word wherever they went. They preached the word wherever they went. Wow, what a great day for the church. I, I declare right now, this is a great day for the church. We're in uncharted ground, but this is a great day for the church. How would they survive? How, how, would, how would they thrive? How, how would we thrive in an uncharted world? I, 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 like I said, I've been lost before in, in incredible places in the snow and everything else. But what happens when you're lost and you're in an uncharted world? God does something. I just call it repositioning. He wants to reposition somebody. You're in a world right now where you're, you've got a position. You've got a placement, if you will, is what position means. You've, you've got your place and you're pretty secure in your place, whatever that is. And, and God wants to reposition you during this uncharted time. Now, that might sound scary, and you think, I don't know about it. I don't want to be repositioned. But any successful person in business or in sports and even politics, everybody knows the power of being in the right position. You get someone on a, a, a sporting team, whatever your sport is, soccer, uh, foot, real football, I should say, not soccer, uh, <laughs> you know, where they actually use their foot, uh, or uh, handball, you know, AFL, whatever it is. They're, every sport has positions. And if you get the, the, the right player but in the wrong position, nothing seems to go well. And God wants to position his team, the church, you and me. He wants to get us in the right position. And sometimes the only way for that to happen is the uncharted has to happen. He has to move us out of our comfort zones and our complacency. 
See, your best position is not your easiest, most comfortable position. Your best position, the right position for you is the purpose, the purpose that God has. The right position for your purpose could mean the wrong position for your comfort. You're uncomfortable. You don't like it. We're uncharted. Uh, But comfortable does not mean you're in the right position. And uncomfortable doesn't mean you're in the wrong position. I was, uh, you know, in the business world and and, and did my degree in accountancy and got some good jobs and everything. And and then God called me into the ministry. And some of you know my story. I've, you know, shared it before. But, uh, you know, I left San Diego where I had a a really good job in, in my profession. I was a financial analyst. And I left there to go to Bible college in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when I got there, it was like the middle of summer. It was stinking hot. I mean, it was boiling hot, like over 100 degrees Fahrenheit for over 30 days that year. And I was like so uncomfortable, so miserable, didn't know anybody. Uh, I'd never been there. Didn't like the place much, to be honest with you. Uh, thinking, what the heck have I done? I've left the ocean paradise for this place stuck in the middle of the country, middle of summer, really, really hot. And I had to get a job. Somebody had ripped me off in business back in San Diego, so I had some money saved up. The guy took it all, and uh, he knew I was leaving town to go to Bible school. He was a, you know, he was a Christian. And anyway, so I was there. And I, the first job I got was washing dishes at Tulsa Country Club. Now, I was in my mid-20s, rather. Uh, and I'm washing dishes. And, I, you know, I'd been in corporate America, climbing the corporate ladder, making good money, and, you know, had a nice car, and I was buying a house and that type of thing. And, uh, and here I was working with 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-olds washing dishes. And I remember one of them goes, uh, where are you from? I go, I'm from Detroit, but, you know, I lived in San Diego. And what would you do? I said, oh, I used to be an accountant, da-da-da. What are you doing here? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. What am I doing here? Is there all these big pots and pans and dishes, all the, all the business guys out golfing. They have breakfast. It's all coming through the thing. It's like, hurry up. You know, the, the chef's like, come on, we need more plates washed. Yes, sir. I'll get right at it, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, the next job I got was moving furniture. Oh, I hate moving furniture. <laughs> it couches and, and up flights of stairs and, you know, stairwells of, of, of units, you know, the fourth floor. Uh, had to move a piano. Do you know how much a piano, I mean, a real piano weighs? It's like, wow. And uh, this guy that I was working with couldn't lift his end of it, so we both got fired. We started smashing stuff in the showroom because he was dropping things, couches and all the rest of it. So I'm back out on the street. Then I got a job as a bellman carrying suitcases. They used to carry my suitcase when I'd be away out of town. Now I'm carrying their suitcase. And then I got a, a job driving a limo at the same time. And, you know, these jobs just went on and on. I thought to myself... I am so out of position. I am so in uncharted ground. I am so miserable. I'm so uncomfortable. God, what have you done? What's, where is this God of blessing? Where is this God of abundance? Where is this God that gushes down uh, love and all the stuff? And here I am, I'm stinking miserable. Perhaps you've been in that place. Perhaps you're in that place. But I want to tell you right now, I was in the right position but didn't know it. So what did I do? I got to relate to a whole bunch of different people in different vocations 
because God was preparing me that someday I would pastor a church full of people in many different vocations and many different areas, and I could speak their language because I was one of them. Wherever you're at right now, God, you might think, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't know where I'm going and what's going on with me. And and where's God got me? He's got you probably right where he wants you right now. Do not despise that because God is repositioning you in uncharted territory. I, I couldn't see it at the time. I want you to ask yourself a question right now. Hard question to ask, but are you living for cause? Or are you living for comfort? Don't, don't answer your neighbor. You don't have to answer me, but you can ask that question and be honest. Am I living trying to get my life situated for comfort? And that's really why I don't like this uncharted time right now is because it's about, it's rocking my boat. Well, get ready to have your boat rocked even more probably. I, 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 I think what happens with with uh, uncharted times is it just, it just destroys our comfort zones. We, don't, we just don't know what to do. We get scattered and unsettled. Uh, these people were dragged out of their houses. They had to leave their house. They couldn't stay if they wanted to. They were dragged out of their house, put in prison. As soon as the word got out, this, this maniac, Saul's coming, and he's just dragged off Aunt Tilly and, uh, and, and Uncle Joe and Aunt Maud and little, little Georgia and, you know, every, uh, probably a little, uh, little Isabel or something. And, uh, you know, just drag these people off. And he's coming for me next. I'm out of here. Fire sale, real estate market, you know, buy from a Christian. You'll get a real bargain right now. Uh, I could imagine the unsettling of that. The, the way that, that we handle it, however, is, is, is that we just want to go. We just wonder, why am I so uncomfortable? The reason is, everywhere they went, they preached the word. Whatever's in you is going to come out of you. And so what God said in the first place is what God wanted them to do. Go and preach the word in all these places. Nah, I think I'll stay here. Why would I be uncomfortable? Well, you're not going to stay there. Because your uncharted is limited in your future. Right now, whatever you're comfort, comfortable in, whatever's familiar to you is probably putting limits on your future. You're actually in a wilderness, but you don't know it. Do you ever look at, look at Israel? You know, they leave Egypt. That's a pretty no-brainer. Tired of working for Pharaoh. Tired of making mud bricks with straw. Tired of getting beaten, tired of, you know, increased hours, tired of uh, eating leeks and onions. I'm really tired of this, this, this whole Egypt thing. It's really got me down. Uh, Moses comes along and says, come on, let's get out of here. They get into the wilderness, but the wilderness becomes their comfort zone. Oh, we got a pillar of fire at nighttime keeping us warm. We got uh, uh, clouds by day. That's keeping us, keeping us nice and cool in the middle of that hot Sinai desert. We've got uh, quail coming down out of the sky and manna. We've got water coming out of a rock over here. You know, we are so comfortable. Why don't we just forget about Canaan? There's giants there anyway. The spies went in, saw the land. It's, it's full of giants, the Canaanites, Jericho right there. Why would we go anywhere else? Let's just make our home in the wilderness because it's comfortable. Right now, if it, during uncharted times, you, you, you need to realize and get your position right, get your bearings right in God. You are probably missing out because of the familiar and the comfort that's in the charted. You're probably missing out and stepping 
and into Canaan, which is only going to happen if you go across into the uncharted world where God told you to go in the first place. So they had to leave to step into Canaan. Jesus isn't your way through uh, the, uh, Jesus is not your, 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 your way through the uncharted. He's, he's, Jesus is your way out of the charted. Do you understand that? He's not just your way through the wilderness. He's your way out of the wilderness. He's the one that wants to take you out of your charted world, get you through the uncharted world, but get you back into a world where you can be more fruitful. His kingdom is established on such as this. Now, what's the right position during uncharted times? I'm glad that you asked. And this is a good thought. Your position is your mission. Or I could flip that around. It's still just as accurate. Your mission is your position. The right position for you in the uncharted is the mission that God has called you on. Their mission was spread the word in all these areas. So your mission is your position. Your position is determined by his cause or his mission. But the thing about mission is it requires sacrifice. For me, I had to sacrifice pride, uh, washing dishes, like I said, with 16-year-olds. When you're 26 and you've had some success, uh, you know, carrying suitcases, getting called boy all the time. Hey, bellboy, come on over here, you know. Do this. Yes, sir. No, sir. I don't like you, but I will. <laughs> your, 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 your mission will require sacrifice. And then your sacrifice will lead to Position For the early church, it looked like a terrible position, scattered, persecuted, but it was actually their strongest position because it was their mission. Mission plus sacrifice equals position, if you want to put it that way. So I look at Abraham. Abraham had a mission, going to all the world. Same, same as our great common mission or commission. In you, God says, in you, Abram, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, where's the sacrifice? The Lord told him in, in Genesis 12:1. the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's the sacrifice. You got to leave now. You got to step out into uncharted. He's searching for a, a city whose builder and maker is God, but he doesn't know where he's going, but he's left his comfort zone. He's got out of the charted into the uncharted now, and he and he's, he's has a sacrifice now he has to make, and, and then God shows him his position. Position for Abram is this. I'm going to call you Abraham now. Not just exalted father, but father of a multitude. I'm going to, in you, I'm going to establish something called faith. In fact, your new position, Abram, is Abraham. Your new position now is father of our faith. Your new position right now is father of a multitude. I think about Paul. Paul's mission, he thought his mission was destroy the church. He was the terminator. He was coming after him. Nothing could stop the guy. He's a madman. God arrests him. God gets him. He doesn't have to get out of his comfort zone. He's way out of his comfort zone doing what he was doing before. God chose him. He chose the right person when he chose Paul. And, and, and then God shows him a new mission now when he gets saved. In Acts chapter 9, 15, it says this, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings 
and to the people of Israel. In other words, I've picked a man that could really wear the no fear t-shirt. I've picked somebody that's not afraid of anybody or anything. He, I've picked this guy now. He is going to go. He's going to be my chosen instrument. This is his mission. But then the sacrifice, verse 16, X9, I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. Listen to what he suffered. Second Corinthians is great. Verse 11. I, Paul, have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have sacrificed now because of the mission that God's called me. It comes with a price. That price is sacrifice. But listen to Paul's position. Almost all of his letters start with this. Paul, an apostle. One time I was complaining to God because I thought, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be an apostle. Pastor, you know, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, when Jesus ascended, he gave some uh, apostles, some evangelists, uh, some prophets, and some pastors and teachers and, and apostles. Like, that's the top dog. Like, and I'm like, oh, I, don't, I want to be an apostle. I don't want to be a pastor teacher he said okay I'll, I'll just show you what 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 you're gonna have to you're gonna put up with if you want to do that he showed me this and what what Paul put up with to whom much is given much is required beaten I think two three times almost one stripe one last short of death constant torment perils you know starved all the rest of it, dragged, you know, put in prison, all the rest of it. You want to be an apostle? No, you can keep the apostle thing. I'll I'll be a pastor, thank you. (laughs) Think about Jesus, his mission, the salvation of humanity, the whole world, his sacrifice, his life, his position, Lord of all. The thing about position, and you might be going through it right now, but it's never static. So your best position yesterday probably is not your best position today. Position is not static. It's not a snapshot. You can't go, oh, look at, this is my position now for the, the next, you know, however many years. In God, you take that snapshot and get ready because there's another one coming. Wherever you're, if you're moving with God, it's, your position is never static. But here is your position. No matter what you're doing right now, no matter where you live, your position and the best position is summed up in this, two words, in God. Or I could put it this way, in him. What is my position in life? In him. He's on the move. I'm in him. He's in me. He's on the move. Guess what? I'm on the move. Whatever I did yesterday uh, and, and whatever position that was in uncharted territory right now, there's somebody that's not lost and his name is God. And if you're in him, you will never be lost. He is the anchor, but he's not the anchor in the port in the safety zone. He's the anchor out at sea. He's the one that will, he is the rock on which you can stand no matter what storm you're going through, no matter what uncharted territory you're in right now, your mission is the same. Follow Jesus. Be fishers 
is of men. Go out there. Preach the gospel everywhere that God takes you and and watch what God will do. You will sacrifice with the mission, but the position is in God. It doesn't get any higher than that. Paul says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. How good is that? I want to really encourage you this morning. Your position, the place that you occupy, let God reposition you. Let God reposition you in your marriage. Oh, so many people, oh, if they would only fulfill my need. Well, that's not the real purpose of your marriage, dear heart. God will meet your needs. You and that other person are together for a common mission together. Get after it. It's not about, you know, they complete me. Yeah, they complete you so that you can be on a greater cause and be more effective in the mission. And that person you're married to, you know, part of their job as as, uh, your marriage partner is to knock the rough edges right out of you by telling you the truth that you won't never get when you're single. You know, my wife... She doesn't pull any punch. She's sweet here, believe me. You know, she'll have a cup of coffee with you, hold your hand, cry with you, and encourage you. But when she gets home, there's fire in her eyes. What did you say that for? That wasn't a very appropriate thing. She doesn't say it quite like that, but you know. That person, their job. Their job is to knock it off. It's seriously to tell you the truth. They are the best mirror that you've got. But you are on a mission. Your job, you know, do you work to make a living? Oh, I just, I'm just working to survive, to make a living. Why don't you work for mission? Why don't you ask God, what's my assignment here in this job that I've got? Maybe it's just for one person. I'll, 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 I can tell you time after time of people that I led to the Lord and got filled with the Holy Spirit, working all these menial jobs that I wasn't making a living at. I didn't even want the job, but God had me there. Maybe it's just for one person person that God's got you on that job. But you're made, but the sacrifice, oh, the sacrifice, it's terrible. Yeah, that's your mission. It comes with sacrifice, but it leads you into the best position that you're already in. If you're walking with him, it's in Jesus, in Christ, in God. All things are possible in him and with him. And he'll show up on that job with you and he'll turn that job from just making a living into an incredible assignment and mission. If you're retired right now, reinvent yourself. Do stuff for God that you couldn't do when you were working. I I think it's the most exciting time when you get older. It's like I could do some different things now. Tick off a few of those boxes. Now I can get after some things. I can serve my way to greatness in the kingdom of God. Leave a legacy. Don't be anchored to your circumstances. Be anchored to God. God is, is not lost and you're in him. So I just want to close with this. Uh, I realize we are in uncharted times, and uh, like I said, it's changing weekly and even daily sometimes. But I want to uh, leave us with this. I'd like the team to come up. Thank you. I know each one of us is in a different place. If you're watching right now, uh, God knows your situation. I certainly don't, but God does. And if you're watching right now or you're here right now, you're probably in uncharted times. Perhaps you're scattered from the familiar. Perhaps you're way out of your comfort zone. But I want to ask this question. Are you in God right now, wherever you're at? Is he the Lord of your life? And if he is right now, wow, he will lead you through all these times for his purpose and and real mission in life. 
if he's not the Lord of your life, I'm going to pray right now. And this is real simple. Uh, God wants to come into your world, but you have to invite him in. He doesn't kick doors down. He will come into your world when you invite him into your world. If you're already a believer, he says, I stand at the door and knock. You got to open the door and let me in. And uh, we'll have fellowship one with another. And it is sweet. And he'll take you clear through the uncharted uh, uh, and the charted and right out into uh, a land flowing with milk and honey with his purposes. So I want to pray for you right now. If you'd like to uh, bow your head wherever you're at, if you're here uh, right now, if you want to close your eyes. And we're just going to pray. It's a simple prayer. It's to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Just say this after me. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son into my world. Jesus, come into my life. I give you my heart. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, uh, I would ask you to please uh, send us an email. Uh, Just put... uh, info at citychurch-net, or uh, you'll find details on our website. And uh, please do send us something. Follow us, subscribe to our podcast. Everything's free. And make sure you share these with friends, somebody that might be going through the uncharted right now that's uh, a bit unsettled, you know, just say, I got a great message for you here. And uh, just, just make sure that you get the word out. Let's preach the word everywhere we go. Amen. The good news everywhere we go. God bless you guys online. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.